It's Tuesday, May 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Happy Tuesday, gents. Yes, you sir. Too. Good to be back. Everybody had a good long weekend? Taylor? Great weekend. You got a little sun. A little bit. I was grilling. The sun <laughs> grilled me. <laughs> That's what you got to do. Yeah, that's right. You, you, you almost have to grill on Memorial Day weekend. I had to suck, had to soak it up. The Canadians got to celebrate Victoria Day last Monday, so I had to had to chase them down with our Memorial Day. Before we get to the deals, and and basically the theme of today's episode is deals, mm-hmm. deal making. But what'd you grill? Uh we grilled you know steak. Chorizo was my was my big favorite. I can't eat enough chorizo. Wow. Lots of, veg- lots of vegetables. Weekend. Now I want to go out with <laughs> grilling. <laughs> I'm down vegetables. in Georgia at the uh, you know the golf tournament. I play with my dad. Every you play year. with your dad every year. Yeah, it's just another fabulous weekend. I mean, you know, 85 and 90 degrees, sunny, no drop of rain. I mean, just golf courses in excellent shape. It was it was as usual a lovely experience. Are you competing against other father son duos? No, actually, it's it's the member guest tournament for the club where he's a member at in Albany, Georgia. So most of the participants are like just buddies, you know. Um, my dad and I have always played golf ever since I was a kid, and so it's just one of those opportunities for us to get out there and do just sort of some father son golf time. It just always works out really well that time of year, and uh, you know, lucky to lucky to still be able to do it. Nice. All if right. I could give a quick shout out before we just launched our second service in Canada today. Ooh, that's Pro right. Canada. Pro Canada. Yeah, that's right. So is that incorporating options, short, long, uh, all sorts written of puts strategies? and covered calls, very basic options, but real money portfolio. So, Barking yeah. gators. <laughs> yeah, Jim, Jim's trying to sneak some of that in, but we're not sure if we're going to let him yet. Jim Gillies doing <laughs> what he does best. Uh, okay, so deals. We'll talk deals in online travel, in the world of online content, but let's start with the big deal of the day, and that is in the cable television industry. Charter Communications buying Time Warner Cable for $55 billion. If you're scoring at home, this is the second and third largest cable providers teaming up, attempting to team up, because the deal is not finalized, has not been given the stamp of approval by regulators yet. We'll get to that in a second. (laughs) Uh, So, they're teaming up, presumably, to take on Comcast. And Jason, I'll just start with you. When you look at what the stocks are doing, and they're not doing much, that tells me that Wall Street and investors in general are looking at this with, I would say, cautious optimism. A grain of skepticism. A grain of skepticism, because it was, what, a year ago, over a year ago, that Comcast made their bid for Time Warner Cable, and that didn't go through. So, I think there are, rightly so, there are investors looking at this saying, you know what? Let me know when this thing is done. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's just one of those things where it's sort of, okay, let's try this one more time. You know, a couple of different companies, or at least one different company here in that. Um, I, it's no surprise. I mean, this is a bet on scale, right? I mean, the whole the whole notion of consolidation in this industry, in in trying to put together, you know, a couple of the most powerful entities. It wasn't terribly surprising that that Comcast deal didn't go through because Comcast is sort of the you know, Comcast is the beast in the space. They have. This tremendous subscriber base, you know, for for better or worse, I don't. I think if people had choices, they probably wouldn't subscribe to Comcast in many cases. Um, but but the Charter Time Warner Cable deal is one that brings a couple of smaller companies together that will give them a subscriber base a bit more comparable to that of Comcast. So uh, you know, personally, I think this is a deal that will probably go through. Uh, there's been some correspondence with in, individuals within the FCC that. 
you know, they're, they're not deal averse. They're not trying to shoot down every deal. They're just trying to sort of keep, you know, the consumer's uh, you know, best interests in mind and keep from, you know, having sort of this one big behemoth that just rules the entire industry. Uh, you know, I think if there's one person in the world who can get into this business and serve as sort of the catalyst to, to help these cable companies shift to sort of this new paradigm of video streaming, of internet television, um, and, and to compete with the Reed Hastings of the world, I think that John Malone is probably the guy. I mean, I think he's one that can really get in there and make something happen. He's got his, he's got his finger in a lot of pies, so to speak, and um, and he's he's a part of this deal as well. You know, again, we'll wait to see if it goes through, but but ultimately, this gives you know this this just makes one one bigger company, and they'll they'll have the backbone in place in the in the broadband infrastructure to be able to try to compete with this changing industry. Now, whether they can actually pull it off is a different story altogether. But um, I'm I'm optimistic it'll go. Through. Didn't they try this before? Too? I was just going to say uh, they did. Yeah. By yeah. way of background, John Malone heads up Liberty Media. <laughs> Liberty Media has a big stake in Charter Communications. They were the one driving this bus. And uh, Taylor, I think you got to give Malone credit because they tried about a year and a half ago. They they basically went the hostile takeover route mm-hmm. with Time Warner, and that didn't work at all. Yeah, and so this time, once Comcast had had dropped their bid, Malone, you know, he it's the old adage: you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. He reached <laughs> out to to Time Warner, made sure that they didn't come in with a lowball offer. Mm-hmm. He 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 really took what didn't work the last time around, and and aim to fix it. Lessons learned and I guess you know they weren't they're still spending money early this year. It looks like they spent 10.4 billion dollars on the sixth largest US cable provider. So they're out there trying to spend money and pretty serious about competing. Uh, although, you know, that would I think if you combine the two and the three to compete with the one, you're really left with only two choices unless you're a Verizon customer for as far as um, services concerned. That's kind of concerning to me. Well, and if you think back to when the Comcast bid for Time Warner was announced. That was, by way of comparison, that was a $45 billion bid. Even when that was announced, I, I don't think there was anyone in this room who thought, wait a minute, the the largest cable provider is trying to buy the second largest yeah. cable provider? There's no way they're going to sign off on that. Um, by comparison, I, th- I think you're right, Jason, this, this has better odds, but I could not Help but think of that this was another Back to the Future moment when, as part of Charter's statement announcing this bid, they talked about how this is going to be good for consumers. It's like funny. That's exactly what Comcast said yeah, when they were trying to make their deal. I think that this is you know we we know that this is a scale deal, and I think that these businesses, in order to compete in this in this changing um, media space. They have the backbone in place. Now, really, it's all about content and service. You know, that's why Netflix has done so tremendously well here over the past decade or, you know, however long. It's because, you know, number one, they have a CEO in Reed Hastings who's just hell bent on giving his subscribers a great service and giving it to them at a good price and in making sure they, they get the content that they want. They use the data that they have to make sure they're giving the content to the to the subscribers you know that they that they want. And so I mean I feel like there's this huge opportunity for your Comcasts and charters and time cables to 
to do that. I mean, it, that's what it boils down to. Is I mean, every for every everything that Comcast does as far as how big they are and they're able to get you know into everybody's home and give you that broadband and, and, and internet connection and TV and all that. But everybody gripes about the service. I mean, it's just constantly. You know, time and time again, the Comcast service just sucks. Okay, well, if it sucks, then fix it. Okay, make it better. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like it's that hard to do. Now, it is harder to do the bigger you get. And, and so that's one of the big challenges. That's always one of the arguments with when you, you get to a point where you're such a big company, maybe it's a little bit more difficult for you to provide that kind of service. Um, that's why it's so imperative that you have sort of a visionary leader in place. And that's why I think maybe John Malone is, is the guy that could help sort of shake this up. But that's what it's going to boil down to for these guys. Last summer, Priceline made a $500 million investment in Ctrip, which is the number one online travel site in China. Now Priceline is making an additional investment of $250 million. Priceline's got a great track record. China's the biggest market. Why are both stocks down? Why I, 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 I don't get why. I, I sort of understand why Priceline is down slightly. I don't get why C Trip is down. Well, I, I, I wouldn't look at that any as any other anything else than just you know the the market's daily sort of machinations. There's no really um, you know understanding day to day movements in, in in the stock. But I think that you know this this. Two things stand out to me here. Number one, this is by far and away one of the biggest, most attractive market opportunities out there today. I think is just in in global online travel commerce. I mean, from from you know soup to nuts. I mean, you're looking at this multi-trillion-dollar industry, and so that's you know that's that's really good to see. And and it's one it's a market that I've I've got my eye on closely. Priceline is is one of those companies that uh, that I have my eye on. It's on I've got it on the watch list and MVP. And, and I think that uh, you know the other thing that stands out is we always we've, we've sort of learned a lot of lessons from looking in in you know the Chinese markets and the Chinese companies, and I think that we look at them now with with a bit more skepticism than, than we did you know initially when we saw more those you know potentially attractive growth prospects. When you have a business like Priceline that is taking such an interest in a company like C Trip, then you need to make sure you take a close look at that and keep your eye on it because that. It, that that means you know they see something in C Trip. That's a business that has been vetted. They see potential there. Um, you know, given all of the, sort of the regulatory hurdles that that are that that exist in in China today, when you have a business like Priceline taking interest in a smaller company like C Trip like that, I, th- I think that I think that's a, a sign of, of things to come. I think that is a a big you know quill in the cap of C Trip. I think that that bodes well for them. And um, it's interesting to connect all of these dots because C Trip. Um, recently, just took this big equity stake in another Chinese competitor called Elong, and that equity stake was made available by um, by uh, Expedia. And so then you see all of these dots start start connecting, and how these businesses are starting to work together, and how they see all of these opportunities that are available. It's really it's it's neat to see. And again, you know, we sort of talk about consolidation in, in the cable business. There's consolidation going on in this in this market as well, and. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I think that you're looking at a couple of the winners here for sure. I don't think you need to worry too much about a slowdown in Chinese growth either, because this is talking about bringing people to China, right? And yeah. As you look at China become more and more developed, it's becoming a hotter and hotter destination for global travelers. Uh, the U.S. is is a hot destination for everyone in the world because it's it's a country that has so much to offer, and I think that China is is on that same glide path that we are. And I think this is a great investment uh, on because of that. People think, looking to spend money there. Do you think there's anyone, anyone in the room where these conversations are taking place at Priceline, who is making the case for just an outright acquisition of C Trip? 
Or is that, or is that not even? What does this bring their stake to? I think it brings it to. I I honestly don't know the percentage of the stake. I think it was five hundred million the first round, two hundred fifty million this round. Um, I'm not sure of the percentage stake there. I I certainly. I mean, I got to believe that's been kicked around. Um, You know, maybe C Trip is in a position where they don't necessarily want to be acquired. I mean, I'm sure that. Uh, you know, acquiring a business like C Trip would would involve more um, you know, regulatory style hurdles, given that it's a Chinese based company, than than if they were to you know buy something else. But I mean, I think when you look at, at Priceline, I mean, I think the biggest mistake people make with Priceline is that they just look at it and they say, oh yeah, William Shatner, you know, Priceline. <laughs> and I mean, that's just <laughs> that's not it's not not that William Shatner is the problem here, mind you. I mean, it's not, but it's just that Priceline is much more than just that. I mean, Priceline. Is booking.com, it's kayak, it's agoda.com, it's rentalcars.com, it's open table, it's all of these little businesses that really help to make up all of these little, you know, different dynamics of the of the online travel industry. And they've just done such a good job in, in growing out that that portfolio of of offerings there. And really booking.com, as we've we've mentioned before, is is the uh, that represents the lion's share of the company's profits today? But but that diversifying into into China is going to do nothing but open them up to, to more growth in the future. Priceline's market cap around sixty two billion, C trips around eleven billion. So if someone is making the case, they're hopefully they have a lot of <laughs> money at their disposal because that's not going to come cheap. No. Um, last but not least, uh, Periscope, the live uh, video streaming app is now available on Android. Uh, Twitter, which is the parent company of Periscope, is uh, also reportedly in talks to buy Flipboard. What is Flipboard? <laughs> what, and, and if you're a Twitter shareholder, are you excited about this? Because the only thing I know about Flipboard is it's, it's a startup, and buying it probably will cost somewhere in the neighborhood of a billion dollars. This and, is this is the kind of site where it's like aggregates your news, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, yeah, it's a news aggregator. It's like, yeah. have you ever used Feedly? I've used Flipboard actually. Okay. I, I used it when it first came out. I liked it, and then I I just kind of got out of those aggregators as an app. But I it was a great interface. I really liked it. Yeah, I mean it. it I think it was 2010 actually. Flipboard won the iPad app of the year, like Apple. You know, Apple's iPad. I mean, it's, I, and I, I've used it. I use it as on my phone. I mean, I have. Uh, used Flipboard and Feedly uh, off and on. I think Flipboard, to me, it, it seems to be just a bit more of a visually enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. I think it, you, you probably have more choices to sort of personalize your. Yeah, the categories are almost endless, and, yeah. and it's it reads like a newspaper. You can flip the pages. It kind of learns what you like and topics that you're interested in just by w- what you spend time on. Uh, so it's kind of intuitive, and that's why I, that's why I kind of I dug in. It, it it did already connect to your Twitter, so it could yeah. bring up news that people are posting about of, of some of the people that you're following. Or I don't know if it connected to Facebook. I never did that. I but I think you can log into it via Facebook. Yeah. So if the path to sustainable profitability for Twitter has to include content, and I'm not saying it does, mm-hmm. but if but if you believe that, then this acquisition, potential acquisition, makes sense for them. I mean, it could. I mean, it, it's it's important to note that this is all just hearsay. I mean, I know that there was an article that was on Recode this morning that talked about it, and it was it was just based on sources familiar with the deal, and no names were mentioned, and so you can't really go much further with it than that. I mean, I, I Although, think that. The article was written by Kara Swisher, and, right. and, and in terms of contacts in Silicon Valley, she's she's, she's up there. She's got some yeah. good ones, and so it's it's hard to say 
how it's just I guess my point is it's just it's hard to say how far this really would get along and I mean is it worth a billion dollars it's it's hard to say I mean everybody scoffed at Facebook when they bought Instagram for a billion dollars and that turned out to be a pretty shrewd purchase in, in hindsight uh, I mean I think in regard to content like I mean that's the thing Twitter is a content provider on its own right I mean and that's you know the Twitter's faced with this big sort of dilemma in trying to figure out how do they grow their user base because that's what the market's so focused on because the market just const- you know constantly wants to compare it to Facebook and it's not going to be Facebook. I mean, you're not looking at like a billion, you know, registered users anytime soon. Obviously, so the the purchase of Flipboard would certainly give them, uh, you know, potentially another powerful app underneath sort of that umbrella. I mean, you've already got Vine and Periscope and now Twitter. Um, I think the other interesting point I noted was just that it was the leadership side of things. In other words, one of the co-founders of Flipboard, Mike McHugh, he's the CEO of the business of the company. You know, there were some ideas floating out there that maybe part of this would be, you know, sort of a you know aiming to get Mike McHugh on board um, as as a potential executive leader at Twitter at some point. He did serve on the board of Twitter at one time, so he's familiar with the company and the business. Uh, I mean, it, it lends itself to the the greater idea that that we've talked about in the past year and this sort of you know the coming the coming decade for social is all it's going to be all about engagement in in that. Is going to require a significant amount of consolidation with with the uh, the apps that are relevant out there, and Flipboard seems to be pretty relevant. I don't know how I don't know how much it can grow from from here. I mean, the talk of a hundred million or so you know users at this point, and there's going to be plenty of overlap there with with Twitter users. Uh, some people I think might want the just pure content side that Flipboard yeah. brings, um, where they don't want to have the deluge of people tweeting. They just want the news that you can find while on Twitter without having to sift through all of the 140 characters of people trying to be funny or or things like that. <laughs> That's why I kind of dug it because it was just it was just content. Yeah, and, it's uh, just the ultimate online yeah. magazine. I mean, yeah. from that perspective, it's a very it's a very attractive property. I mean, I just I, I don't know if it's something they would end up. Uh... Although I can I can totally relate to what you're saying. Taylor, because one of the ways you can search on Twitter is through ticker symbols. Mm-hmm. You just put a dollar sign in front of a, a ticker symbol, and you you can search that way. So if I'm looking for, you know, er, earlier this morning I was thinking, well, what are people on Twitter saying about the Charter Communications Time Warner deal? So I just searched uh, on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, Charter's ticker symbol with the dollar sign in front of it, and and got some news stories, but also got so, so many. <laughs> Tweets from people who are day trading. Day traders. Oh my day god! Day traders. They use those and just, and like it's crazy. just it's it's always a reminder yeah. to me. Like, oh right, there are people who are trying to make money day trading. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> still, yeah, that's, that's adorable. Yeah, bought, that's a, bought a block of shares at nine hundred one, sold them at nine hundred five, right. made a profit. <laughs> Check like, out this right, profit. Look, that's just not how we deal. I think the more interesting news is the Periscope thing. I mean, I think that you know. Releasing that for Android is uh, is is a great step because mm-hmm. I mean it's it's been obviously available only for for iPhone to this point, but globally speaking, I mean Android is is much by platform. far and away the superior platform, and that doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. It's certainly the better news if you're a Twitter shareholder because to your point, greater market opportunity, etc. And on the flip side, I feel like Twitter is absolutely. Um, fairly or unfairly, they are in a zone right now where they are not going to get the benefit of the doubt on much, if anything. Mm-hmm. So, if Kara Swisher's story comes to fruition and a week, a month later this year, or even next year, Twitter does buy Flipboard, 
uh, it's, it's going to be some haters out there. Yeah, it, I think it's. I think there are going to be people saying, you know what, I'm not. I'm not giving you a pass on this I, one because you guys haven't made yeah. any money yet. I think you're absolutely right, and I mean, I think that's fair. I think there's. Uh, there's, there is a lot of skepticism and, and a lot of questions out there on Twitter today, and I think that um, has, has certainly played out on the stock the stock price. I mean, it's one we, we, we just added it to a million-dollar portfolio as a small, a small holding to open a position there because we feel like there are a number of positive outcomes that ultimately can come of this for, for investors with a longer time frame in mind. I mean, it's it's that old saying, right? You you pay a high price for a cheery consensus, and I mean, with with Twitter, I'm not sitting there arguing that Twitter is a cheap stock by any conventional metrics, but but it is one that has gotten beaten down recently, and I think there are a lot of a lot of positives out there that are easy easily overlooked um, when you pay attention to all of the headlines and the financial media and kind of the questions that they that they continue to bring up. Taylor Muckerman, Jason Moser, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>